Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Washed Up Has-Beens Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host, Alec, the Avocado <laughs> Martinez. We got some mailbag questions on that nickname. Yeah, some people were questioning the Avocado, um, but it's okay. Uh, they, they don't know. They weren't there. The, the Avocado was a nickname that came from uh, a different time period in my life and just stuck with it. What? I mean, you were there, but you weren't there. Like, you weren't, it wasn't a part of a group you were involved in. Was it? Tyler has a small circle of friends. I've got a large circle was of friends. Was it in, was it between 2010 and 2014, or was it? It was 2000 and, probably, probably 2014, 2015, mm. somewhere around there. It was when rock, I, it was when I worked hounds. for the, rock, yeah, it was with rock the Rock Hounds. Friends. Yeah, yeah, Rock Hounds guys came up with it. Shout out CJ Barr out there. Uh, CJ, if you're listening, the, the nickname is stuck. Um, Alex made sure of that. Did you just call me Alex? <laughs> Alex made sure of that, like Alec has. Okay, all right. <laughs> I know it's a little difficult with the S on the end, but... Uh, joining here with me uh, is... Ava. <laughs> yes, my the pooch is... It's raining outside, so the pooch is inside with us again. Uh, like we said, she's going to be playing in the background. As long as Tyler doesn't give her too much attention, she should... Uh, stay out of the podcast as long as also nobody knocks on the door or makes any sudden movements outside. She should stay quiet. You might hear her playing with her chew toy in the background. But but also joining me is my co-host, Tyler Gibson. Tyler, how are you on this uh, this dreary Tuesday? Tuesday evening. Wonderful, man. Uh, you should be great. Some- Football yeah, happening. got got some uh, camps getting going. Um, you know, we're seeing some uh, stuff shake out with uh, the opt outs and everything. But uh, just just happy that things are taking a step in the right direction. Yeah, Tyler and I today's show is probably going to be a little bit shorter than some of the other ones. We're just going to cover some some mailbag questions and maybe discuss a little bit about dynasty strategy and just dynasty leagues in general. Before we get there, we're going to talk a little news and notes. Big news out of San Francisco. We've talked about it a few times, but like I said, Raheem Mostert should get paid, and he has gotten paid. They restructured his contract, gave him a little bit more money. He should be happy, and his ADP should be fine. I think where he's going right now is a pretty good value for him. I think um, yeah. per- personally, I like him where he's at. It uh, looked uh, it looked shaky there. Um, you know, his situation there for a bit because you thought, you know, hey, man, he's rocking the boat. There's not really anywhere to trade him. You know, is this going to open the door to just, you know, some other guys getting some more touches? So you saw his ADP drop a little bit. Um, I don't know necessarily that there's there's enough juice behind this restructured contract that we'll see his ADP rise up now. So I do like his ADP more now, and I think it'll probably stay pretty consistent. Yeah, I like him where he's – I think he's kind of a – uh, not a huge value where he's at, but but a decent value where he's at. His upside, his his ceiling is pretty high if you look at how efficient he was. I just have a hard time seeing him be anywhere close to that efficiency again next year, even though you know the San Francisco 49ers will still be able to run the football pretty well with that offensive line. Uh, other news, Dalvin Cook, after a weekend where you know on Twitter it's kind of back and forth as to whether he was going to come to camp, uh, he showed up to camp today. Uh what does that tell you for Dalvin? He's still got seven days to opt out. However, there is a you know there is a clause in this that the NFL put in that they can't use the opt out as a holdout, so they can't negotiate contracts. So if he did opt out, you know, in the next seven days, which is another part of the news, if he did opt out in the next seven days, then uh, he would 
have to wait until the next season, uh, fiscal season well, for the it NFL pretty much starts. just puts his career and his contract and everything on pause. It doesn't further anything. Um, but And I think that the seven days started on the 24th from whenever the NFLPA and the NFL agreed to terms. So technically, you know, we're getting closer to that mark. Um, yeah, so the, yeah, just what Tyler's year. referencing is the agreement signed by the NFL and the NFLPA that starting on – from July 24th till the end of the month, July 31st, the players have that time to decide if they're going to opt out of the season for COVID reasons. And after that, they are locked in and they, they can't, you know, opt out. They'll, you know, if they skip camp, they'll be, or any days in camp, they'll be fined and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, any, oh, uh, Marquise Goodwin uh, has chosen to opt out for the year. Uh, there's been some defensive players opt out, but Marquise Goodwin's the most notable offensive player i think i said this earlier if he throws a wrench in your plans then you might want to reevaluate your fantasy football you might just save your money this year and not play fantasy football yeah, well um it, it you know it, it just it takes another person out of play for the eagles receiving course so. but i mean i, I mean I, I, were we well, i guess well, we I'm were kind of confident alshon jeffrey is going to start on the pup list and now you got goodwin out of there so i mean i would be more I mean there's no we're not for sure Jeffrey's on the pup list. Well Doug I, Peterson came out and said he's in a good place. I I would be more apt if uh if Jeffrey is gonna start off missing some time to, you know, invest in a guy like Rager later on in drafts and maybe even Goddard. I'm still not interested in Ertz, um, although, you know, that's when he shines is whenever well, some he's, guys are he's dropping into the fifth round nowadays and that's but that's that that's that tight end purgatory where it's like, hey, right. these are guys that should be good, but you're still kind of investing a decent amount in them when you should be filling out the rest of your roster. So yeah, it's it's he's a guy who I'm hoping that somebody, whenever I've got him and you know Terry McLaurin on the board, I'm hoping the guy in front of me takes Zach Ertz yes. and leaves me Terry McLaurin. You love to see you know. Zach Ertz get drafted by somebody, right? So. Um, News and notes. I think that about does it for news and notes. I can't think of anything else unless you can, Tyler. Uh, no. Uh, just just be uh, keeping an eye out on uh, players I mean, there's opting a, out. Jamal Adams being traded to the, the Seahawks, but that doesn't have much effect on fantasy football. It might have some effect on more daily fantasy, you know, DFS strategy than it does uh, overall fantasy strategy. Yeah. Uh, but good for Jamal Adams. Yeah. Uh, Great Le- Le'Veon Bell's not happy about it, but no, that is kind of funny how he flip flopped on him. You know, really, really fighting to get Le'Veon Bell to sign there, and then just bailing. But you know, he was he was fighting to get out. I mean, oh. he, when he came out, he came out and said all this stuff about Adam Gase. It was like, man, he's just going to insult everybody until they trade him. I mean, him. it was very clear what he was trying to do. And do you think they paid too much for him? I don't think that. Well, you're you're not going to get. Like, those are going to be late first-round picks. Um, you're not going to replace Jamal Adams with any of those picks. I, I think the argument can be made that they, that everybody won here. Uh, I think that it really makes Seattle a lot better. They've gone several years without having first-round picks. They they excel at finding I mean, talent. Their, their last first-round pick was a shod penny. That didn't turn out well, too well They excel them. at finding talents in the second, third, and fourth round. Um, they've got Russell Wilson, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I, I think that this makes their team a whole lot better, and honestly, it's hard to put a price on that. So uh, I think they're definitely big winners for getting him to agree to play out the rest of his rookie contract because that's huge. 
I mean, the whole thing is like you don't want to give up assets just to pay a guy. Well, they don't even have to pay him for this year. So, I mean, they're still getting him for free for a year. Um, I think the argument can be made that everybody won here. I mean, you get starters with those picks, but like I said, you're not going to replace Jamal Adams. Personally, I would have I would have liked the Cowboys to have made that deal. That's a deal I would have been okay with us making. Um, I don't know who we, our equivalent We, we typically to- draft pretty good, so I, I would be more upset. I mean, I'm not saying the Seahawks suck at drafting, but they've obviously been able to be contenders. But we've done good in the, the middle rounds as well. I, think I know. We arguably have the – best track record of drafting in the middle rounds. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, Seattle's draft success just goes back to creating the Legion of Boom, and they've been okay since then. But right. that was, you know, that's not something that can be repeated, what they what they did do. Right. So moving on into actual fantasy uh, relevance, uh, I guess I'll stick with uh, our first mailbag question has to do with the – uh, how, at what point do you start taking into account uh, early season schedule for uh, your draft picks? Uh, I'll, I'll let you. I'll defer to you to, to answer first. I've kind of got some theories on this, but I'll let you take it first. Well, we've we've spoken on um, you know how how much does a team's strength of schedule come into play when planning out your draft or drafting players and for the most part I would say don't worry about it and you know just draft who you're going to draft and you know the time to worry about schedules is as you're looking forward into playoffs and trying to acquire guys uh, before they see a big uptick in value Um, now the argument that can be made for taking note of this is extracting the most value as possible out of guys so maybe it's a guy that's going in the fourth fifth or sixth round but has a really easy schedule to begin with. Like if they got to play the Dalton, the Dolphins or the Cardinals, or, you know, if they're playing the, the Panthers aren't really going to have that great, of a deal. you know, depending on who they're playing and you could see a major rise in value in that player and then possibly, you know, help flip them into something better. But, you know, I, I don't, I haven't pinpointed at what point that would become, you know, a major factor for me. It, it could be used as a tiebreaker maybe early on, but mostly early on. I mean, if there's a good player that I like, I'm going to take them, you know, regardless of their strength of schedule because it's just the right pick. I, th- I think for me it depends more on the position. If I'm going to – if I'm looking to maybe stream my quarterback this year and I'm going with a late-round quarterback approach or a late-round tight end approach, then, yeah, I'll look at their early season schedule. Cam Newton, for example, starts the season off with Miami. Okay, well, I think I'd rather um, – you know, rather take Cam Newton than maybe uh, somebody like, well, the opposite, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who starts off with New England, you know? Well, we saw Dak Prescott last year get off to a hot start against a few uh, really cushy teams. And, I mean, if you took Dak Prescott, you probably got him in the double-digit rounds. And, I mean, immediately, not that you would have wanted to trade him, but immediately you could have flipped him for so much more than before the start of the season. And that's the type of... Uh, that's that's the type of risks that I would want to take. I, I'm not taking this into account early in the draft. You know, when it when it's a player that I'm going to draft, I'm I'm not going to not draft him because he's got a tough early schedule, and I'm not going to draft somebody over him because they have a better schedule um, early on in the draft. But later on, it could be a factor. Yeah, I think it really just depends on. <clears throat> to me, it's just the position if if and what I plan to do with it. I'm uh, you know, I'm not going to take Dak Prescott over Kyler Murray because I feel like. Dak Prescott's early season schedule is better. You know, I'm going to take Dak Prescott over Kyler Murray if I'm going to take quarterback that early 
because I think Dak Prescott is going to have a better season than Kyler Murray. Whereas if I'm drafting late and I'm choosing between Brian Fitzpatrick and Cam Newton, both who have a high ceiling from week to week and could be interchangeable at times because don't, don't sleep on Ryan Fitzpatrick. But uh, then I'm going to go with Cam Newton because Newton's first week is Miami and Fitzpatrick's first week is New England. Um, moving on to uh, another mailbag question that we have. Uh, I like this one. Uh, better running back by committee, the formerly known as Redskins, currently the Washington football team. Or the Los Angeles Rams, uh, Tyler. I think you're going to lean Rams here. Uh, uh, I think the the t- the top end talent is the Rams. Cam Akers, Marsh, you know, uh, you know Henderson, um, both. Malcolm Brown. I mean, I don't think Malcolm Brown has the upside of the other two, and I, I don't know that anybody in that Redskins committee has the upside of Akers or. Or Henderson, even maybe. I mean, Darius well, Geis has guys. been very good, yeah. but I don't. It's so hard, so hard to bank on Darius Geis because he's been so hurt so often. Because he's hurt in ways that uh, cause continual problems. Um, so, I, I would like to say the Redskins because I like Antonio Gibson. I like Bryce. I think Bryce Love. Um, you know, he, he showed a lot of potential at one point in his career. Adrian Peterson has the best floor of any of these guys. He's going to get you solid yardage on the ground if they give him the football. Um, you know, they have Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick. I don't know that either one of them will make the roster. And if they do, you know, I, I they both have been valuable at different times. More so than, you know, if you're comparing Malcolm Brown, I'd rather have McKissick or Barber than Malcolm Brown. I think both of them have excelled at different times uh, in their respective roles but when it comes down to it i'm gonna draft cam Akers or henderson over probably anybody in the redskins running back committee well i i agree that i mean you know since this is for fantasy purposes i I do think that the uh, rams backfield has a higher ceiling than the redskins backfield but that's reflected in their adps so you know, I'm not going to fault you if you end up with more shares of the Redskins backfield because that just means that you didn't spend the earlier pick on. Well, Geis and on Cam Akers. Akers are going about the same time. I mean, Geis right now I think is the the number thirty or uh, 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 running back uh, according to Fantasy Pros. I'll, I'll get it up real quick, but I mean, if to me that's a no brainer, that's an easy one uh, that that I'm going. Well, I mean, you're definitely going to lean Acres over Geis because of injury um, history. But, I mean, Antonio Gibson's a guy that's virtually gone undrafted in just your standard league. Um, And I know his ADP's been rising. Uh, I mean, he has been getting a little bit of hype. But, I mean, mostly, I mean, you're still going to have – Henderson mixed somewhere in the drafts. He's he's probably getting drafted well before uh, you know Gibson or Peterson or whoever else. I mean, I just think that you're able to get more shares of the Redskins for cheaper um, if you're looking to extract the most value. Uh, if you go half PPR scoring, you know currently uh, Darius Geis is going 28th and Cam Akers is going 29th. Man, and I, I mean I'm going Cam Akers in that in that situation. And then if you you go get, get go a bit further. I kept saying Marshall, but Daryl Henderson's going forty second. 
uh, and, and Antonio Gibson. And this is where I see what you're saying. Like, Antonio Gibson's not going until 61. Yeah. And I would rather have Antonio Gibson than Daryl Henderson. I mean, Antonio Gibson's going to be at a, that value. He's going to be a top 36 running back in fantasy, regardless of what Geis does, because they want to use him all over the field. Um, so I, I think that that 100% chance that he outperforms that ADP. Um, now, with Daryl Henderson, I mean, I know that uh, Sean McVay has said that they're, they want to use the um, committee approach. Um, I, I've said that that might be the better uh, real football option, but, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, uh, Cam Akers is going to show that he's the more explosive player. He, he may not be as fast as uh, Henderson, but I think that whenever you pinpoint who the better running back is, you're going to want him on the field whenever it counts. And uh, I'm confident that Cam Akers will make that happen at some point this season. Okay. Um, <clears throat> next mailbag question. This was targeted at me, but I'll, I'll ask it to both. Uh, wants to know who I think uh, Marrero Terror uh, should keep in his keeper league. It's a standard league, so you know, TD touchdowns only. Uh, DJ Moore or DJ Chark? Yeah, well, double, had, double DJ. Yeah, he had DJ squared. He had asked me about it earlier, um, and so I'd already. You know, talk to him about it, and then he was just saying that he wanted to get your input too. I mean, you, you, the, they're both in very bad situations for wide receivers in a touchdown only league because you, you want a ride, a wide receiver on a team that scores a bunch of touchdowns, so that, that scores a lot of points. And I know that's more effective for running backs than wide receivers. Um, but either way, if the team's scoring more points, there's a better chance that you're going to score more touchdowns, right? Um, and I don't know who's going to score more touchdowns, the Jaguars or the Panthers. Um, I think DJ Chark is going to have more opportunities to score touchdowns, but DJ Moore is going to obviously have the ball in his hands a whole lot more. So if he just starts getting loose, I mean, you never know really. But, I mean, DJ Moore and, you know, just being as who the quarterbacks are, I mean. I would probably lean Chark because Minshew and Chark have some rapport. They're going to get – I think they're going to get used – a lot. Chark's going to – I mean, uh, Gardner's going to send it a little more than Teddy Bridgewater. Right. Is. Gardner's <laughs> a little bit more of a gunslinger. Yeah. Uh, just let it fly, Uncle Rico style. Uh, so, yeah, DJ Chark. I think we both agree DJ Chark there Yeah, in a in a, in a standard-only league. If it were a PPR, half PPR, would you change your mind? Oh, if it were PPR, for sure DJ Moore. Half PPR, they'd, they'd be closer to a, top, uh, a toss-up, but I'd – Probably still go DJ Moore. I think I would too. I think he's going to probably have 15 more receptions than DJ Chark. Um, <clears throat> moving on. Uh, this one's kind of a – I don't know how I feel about this, but first major QB injury, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, or Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> what? I, I don't know how to even predict that. Here's what I'll – I'll spin this though. Here's, here's what I'll say. Um, I think I would – if I'm drafting the three it, with their values – Included, I'm taking Cam Newton. So is Josh Allen, Cam Newton, or who? Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Josh Allen's a horse, man. Uh, That's I a mean, big man. Has he really had any injury mm, history? I think he got hurt at one point last year, and we had uh, what's his name? AJ McCarron maybe came in for a little bit. Hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, we know that Cam Newton, you know, was a tank for most of his career, but I don't think that we'd 
saying that he's not going to get hurt this year. Um, this is just a dumb question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, we don't know how to answer that. I mean, I, I don't know how to predict who's going to get hurt first, if if any of them. I mean, I can see I a, a, a world where all three I, don't, I, don't I think get Teddy hurt. Bridgewater's in the least peril. Josh Allen's going to put himself in the most peril, but Cam Newton's probably the most likely to get hurt and put himself in peril. I'd probably say Cam's going to get hurt. Josh Allen will get hurt next, and then Teddy Bridgewater would be the last. I'm drafting Cam Newton out of the three. That's, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what you, I'll tell you. That's well, what I mean, I'll tell it you. It costs nothing to do that. Right. So, yeah. And I, his upside's incredible. Next question, is Keenan Allen better than Mike Evans? At playing football, no. For fantasy football, yes, I think. This year. This year. I, I think that's definitely um, a solid argument. You know, Keenan Allen's been my guy. Um, you know, we talked about having the 100-plus receptions the last three years. As you know, I had him in our keeper league for all three of those years. Yeah. And he's not my guy anymore this year. But, uh, uh, yeah, I love me some Keenan Allen. Uh, I do think that this year, um, although their ADPs might not reflect that, they are, you know. I want to be clear. I think Mike Evans is a better football player. It's not that I don't think Keenan Allen's good. But Mike Evans is an incredible wide receiver. I just don't know that he will be utilized the way that he excels as often as he did the last you know four years of his career, what you know his entire career. Because I don't see Brady going deep as often as Jameis did. I mean, Jameis did not really care. He just slung it. You know, <laughs> he got into trouble and he threw it as deep downfield as he could. Whereas Brady gets in trouble and he throws it. You know, makes an efficient short yardage throw to a running back or a slot receiver. Well, they've both got the unknown of a new quarterback, uh, and you don't know who that quarterback is necessarily going to favor for sure, although we've got a pretty good idea with uh, Tom. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I would I would rather have Keenan Allen at his ADP than Mike Evans at his ADP. I'll say that. Yeah, uh, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. Uh, next question, will Jonu Smith finish as a top five tight end? No. No, I don't think. I think top ten, yes. Yes. Top five, uh, well, yeah, I, I think there's there's no unseating of of uh, Kittle, Kittle, Kelsey. Kittle, Kelsey, or Andrews. Andrews. Uh, I believe Hayden Hurst will finish higher than Mark Andrews. If we, this was a bold prediction episode, Dang. I would I would put that as a bold. That prediction. would really be sticking it to his former team. Yeah, and then uh, I guess your your next your fifth spot's going to be Zach Ertz, Evan Ingram, uh, Waller. Waller. I think all three of them have a much better shot of ending in the top five than Johnny Smith. And I understand, like, you look at Delaney Walker's success, and, yeah, he was a top five tight end at times. Um, I don't know. I mean, you could talk me. It's not, it's not, not, it's not out of his yeah. range of possibilities, but do I think it's going to happen? No. I, I think there's maybe a 10% chance, maybe less than that. Probably less than that. But, uh, that but, it's, it's, but possible, it's possible, and he's not a bad dart throw. No, I, I would – late in drafts, if I don't get – you know, if I don't get Kittle, uh, which is my only really early round target, maybe Kelsey. Kelsey, get, but if you don't get Hayden Hurst, if I don't get Hayden Hurst, uh, then I'm looking. I'm I'm looking for Johnny Smith. That's my next. That's my go to. So those are those are my three big ones: is Kittle, Hurst, and and uh, Johnny Smith. You can throw Gronk in there too. Um, <clears throat> let's see, how many avocados can Alec squat? That's dumb. How much does an avocado weigh on average? Probably like half a pound, 
Maybe. Probably less. Probably less than that. So I mean, hundreds. Uh, yeah. Hundreds and hundreds yeah, of avocados. A lot. I mean, I could <laughs> probably squat over 400, so... I mean... So, thousand avocados, so, probably. Uh, that would be more like 12... No, more like 1,600 avocados. Well, yeah. so if we said a quarter of a pound... Then yeah, about at, at least, least at least at least, six, a, at least sixteen hundred avocados. Wow, that's pretty good. That would be expensive because avocados aren't that cheap. No, so. even <laughs> even here. All right, uh, that'll be their only avocado question. I think we have another avocado question. Um, we're gonna skip it. Uh, let's see. Um, I think we got one more. Well, maybe we didn't have one more. I think that might have been our last one. Uh, so I guess me and Tyler, before we, we close out, like we said, today's going to be a little short episode. We just want to answer some questions. Uh, next week, after we know more about who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing. Everybody should be locked in. Yeah, Tyler and I are going to do a little – we'll do some bold predictions. We might do another on-the-clock segment, but we're going to do a little bit more next week. We just wanted to this week uh, answer some questions and maybe discuss – and this is what we're going to do now is discuss Dynasty a little bit. Um, Dynasty's new to us in the sense of actually playing it. We have researched and uh, listened to a lot about Dynasty for the last you know couple of seasons, Tyler and I have. But this is the first time we've participated in it. But I, I think we know a lot about Dynasty. But we want to just maybe, uh, you know, Talk about how to create a dynasty league, different roster settings, um, scoring types. So I guess we'll start with you know just starting a dynasty league and and what that entails. Uh, I know for Tyler and I both commission are commissioners for a dynasty league. Tyler's a twelve team, mine's a ten team. Different scoring, but also sim- similar in some ways. Uh, we're both super flex, but I think most importantly, what Tyler and I both were looking for in league members because you you have to be selective. It says in a league, dynasty leagues, you can't just get, you know, you can't get your your buddies that don't really play much and tap out after six weeks. This is a, you have to have committed fantasy football players, and that's what we had. We were looking for is guys who were going to be committed, uh, who were going to, in the off season, put in the work. And for the most part, I think we did a pretty good job of that. Uh, and it just makes because when you have one guy like that, it it. It kind of affects the league as a whole. More importantly, you can't replace them. It's not it's not as easy to replace somebody in a dynasty league as it is to replace someone in a redraft. Because I know me personally, it's going to be a lot of convincing for me to jump into a dynasty league and take over somebody's team who probably is leaving because their team's not very good. Yeah. Um, it would maybe take an added bonus uh, to, to get me in there, but that's that's my thoughts on creating a league. Tyler, I don't know if you want to add to it on, on – who to get involved. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing is definitely the league members. Um, you know, you want guys that you trust, guys that you can hold accountable, um, guys that, you know, know what they're doing for the most part. And even if they're new to Dynasty, you know, guys that you've probably played in a league with before for several years and that you know, you know, is, is going to be a reliable member of, of a Dynasty league. Um, but, I mean, a- after that, I mean, you just got to – Find, find the type of league that you want. Uh, I mean, I think that, you know, ideally Dynasty needs to be a super flex. Um, and like in your your Dynasty league, uh, it's tight end premium, which I love. Because, I mean, super flex, tight end premium, it's bringing value to two of the more undervalued positions in your regular redraft Well, we're also we're adding a third wide receiver slot, which then adds a little bit more value to, to wide receivers. Um, and I, I think that's what it – to me it's about trying – 
I, I was trying in my league to create a league where there is as much. Uh, it, it's not like in our Superflex League, you're 12 team. As just a Superflex League, right now it seems like quarterbacks are just way more valuable than anything else, which is pretty typical in a in a Superflex League. But when you throw in the tight end premium too. Then the tight ends come up. Their value increases. Mm-hmm. You add in a third wide receiver slot along with the flex spot. Well, then more people are drafting wide receivers, which means wide receiver talent, since you have to start three of them, is more important. So then those come up. And running backs have will always have value. They'll always be the king of value uh, on your roster because of just so how, yeah, how few of them there are. So I think, to me, it was about creating a league where every position held its own weight and could be um, well. There can be an argument made for going any number of draft strategies in your typical league. I mean, you're going wide receiver and running back, two out of your first three picks guaranteed. Sometimes a tight end, but rarely. Uh, then you add in super flex. Well, then you know you're going to have a tie- you're going to have a running back. You're probably going to have a receiver, and you're probably going to have a quarterback you know by the time you get out of the first four rounds and then you add in tight end premium then you're going to see more tight ends going so then you add a third receiver I mean then it's you've got pretty much every position is up for grabs in any round no matter how early and uh that's yeah that's just great for a really interesting (laughs) draft and and you really have to be prepared for anything at that point and then it comes you know then you that brings into account you know your roster sizes uh we we is it both leagues are doing twenty bench spots or? Um, yeah, I think my I think the one that I commission has nineteen. I Mine's gonna say. end up being nineteen. It's at twenty right now, but we're adding the third wide receiver spot. And we're not gonna add another bench spot, so we're we're gonna have nineteen bench spots. However, my league also has two taxi slots. Uh, taxi slot is essentially a practice squad, uh, a, a practice squad player. So. What what you do is you can put this guy on your taxi uh, taxi in your taxi slot. He can't come off the taxi slot and go back into it. It's just a way to hold on to uh, to guys um, that uh, that maybe you don't want like affecting your roster, um, but they have to be within their first two years of of. It's exactly like I, a practice. Squad. I, I think a good type of player to put on that is you know. Rookie tight ends, right? You, know, you you got a guy like Adam Troutman or last year T.J. Hawkinson, and you're like, man, this guy is going to be of no use to me for a few years. I want him, but I don't want to have to just sit on him and have him take up a roster spot. So you put him on your taxi squad and you hold him there for as long as you want or until he's ineligible for it, and uh, then you have to activate him to your lineup or you have to drop him. Yeah, it just all it does is essentially add two roster spots, but. They you don't have to uh, they don't account for your actual roster. I mean they you can't play them uh, unless you you move them off. And then once you move them off the taxi slot, then you drop someone else off your bench. Um, and it's just it's just a fun little thing that I wanted to add in uh, to our league. It's nothing um, nothing too uh, <clears throat> too drastic or anything. I will say you know Tyler, we're in in Tyler your twelve team league. We're doing uh, victory against the median. Uh, maybe talk about that a little bit. I, I'm up in the air on that's a new thing going around these days. Well, um, I thought that it was a good idea for Dynasty 
just because um, there's so much more that goes into a dynasty league, and you put so much more effort into it, and it's a year-over-year thing. And so whenever you do get in your two- to three-year window when you're trying to win, it it would really just be a shame to have you fall victim to – every year there's at least one um, in every league that they're probably in the top three of scoring – but they have the most points scored against, and they're either See, in jeopardy of missing the playoffs or they did miss the playoffs. And I just am trying to curb that a little bit and let truly the best teams win and not just fall victim to a random schedule. And I understand that. I, 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 you know, I, I'm in that league with you, the 12-team league, and I think it's great. I'll honestly just looking at my team. I'll be, I, I feel like I'm going to be one of those teams that has that – that problem, I'll probably end up scoring, beating the median more times, and I'll I'll win my actual games. Just have this bad feeling, but um, and I've been that guy. I mean, I I was in two leagues last year where I was one league I was the second leading scorer. I didn't make the playoffs, you know. Um, and in another league, I was I think third highest scorer and didn't make the playoffs. And so uh, that happens. And to me, though, that's just a part of fantasy football. Yeah. And so I, I didn't want to cut that. I didn't want to cut that aspect out of, of my keeper league or of, of my dynasty league. So it's still in mine. No, and I like that. I don't want you to put it in yours because um, I do want ours to be almost as different as possible. Right. Right. And we. I mean, we we talked about that whenever we uh, we did it. Uh, the other another thing that is. More common for startup drafts and especially a dynasty draft. And something that I got to reproach the league about, and and we'll get to that in just a second too, about how to approach the league as a commissioner, but is the third round reversal. And that's where after the second round completes, you start the third round backwards. And you start the draft. Basically, it would be like starting the draft over from the third round where the guy who had the last pick, where in my draft it's 10 10 teams, the 10th pick would then be the first pick in the third round. And it would it would reverse from there on for the rest of the draft. It would snake that way. That, to me, in a startup draft for Dynasty is way more valuable than like, – I would never do it in a keeper league, right? I would never do it in a year-to-year redraft league. I would do it in a startup Dynasty league because the first and – the first pick in the draft is the most valuable pick in the draft. And then you get the 2-3 turn, which is arguably the most valuable turn besides, well, I guess you could say the 1-2 turn, but I would rather have the first pick and then the 2-3 well, yeah, turn. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that that's like the best thing you could have in, in, the, uh, in, a, in a dynasty startup. And so this just creates, it just kind of takes away the advantage of randomly getting the first pick in the draft. On, uh, you know, on, on in a in a startup draft, I don't I don't think there's no there's no reason like you haven't earned the first first pick in the draft. You just randomly got it, so I right. think that you should uh, there should be some advantage taken away from you in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I've never been a part of a draft that did a third round reversal. I know that it's kind of new. Um, I, I think that it makes a lot of sense, but also, I mean, I think that if you know, you wanted to, you can do things to offset that on your own if you really want to in a dynasty draft. And that would be, you know, by making a pick trade, trading back, just getting more picks in the third or fourth round. But yes, I I, I don't think that it's a bad idea. And I do think that probably the most appropriate time to do it would be in a startup because you want things to be 
as even a playing field as possible uh, so that everybody has the same opportunity to make a good dynasty uh, base for their team. Yeah, and the last thing just I kind of touched on is how to commission the league. For me personally, I don't like to make any kind of influence on big decisions. I like to let the league make the decision. For example, I let the league make the decision on uh, whether or not we would have three wide receivers. I wanted the league to make that decision. I personally wanted three wide receivers, but I felt like that was – Something that I would let the the league decide. Now, Superflex tight end premium. That was my decision as a commissioner. That's the uh, that's the um, the way that I wanted the league to run. Ten team. I even let the league decide if we want to do ten or twelve teams. Um, I like to have the league get their input, and then I believe in making hard stance decisions. Um, as a commissioner, you know, you've got to make some of those calls. And I think for me, the biggest one is trade vetoing. I don't believe you should veto a trade unless there's clear collusion or, uh, and this is, this is me, me and Tyler do not see eye to eye on this. I believe that if a trade is so outlandish that it has a major effect on the league, um, for example, let's say somebody trades Patrick Mahomes and Ezekiel Elliott for, the first pick in the next rookie draft and the the sixth pick in the next rookie draft. Well, that's just too – that is so absurd and has such a major impact on the league in a negative way that I feel the commissioner should step in and not allow that trade to happen without something else being added to it, taken away, because in that case it is affecting the league as a whole. Now, if someone just makes a bad trade – then that's fine. But there comes a point in my eyes that it's too outlandish for the, like it's just too egregious for the whole league. It has too much of a bad effect on the whole league. Well, this comes back to making sure that you've got guys in your league. Right. That, um, I hope I never have to think yeah, about that you this. you don't think that are going to do that. Uh, I think that the only reason that a trade should ever be vetoed is if there is provable collusion. Um and, you know, if somebody makes a really bad trade that I think is absolutely horrendous, you know, we're all paying the same entry fee. We're all putting the same thing up. And, uh, you know, that's that's their prerogative. So I'm Yeah, gonna... just don't let anybody from Marrero, Louisiana, into your league. And, and everybody should make pretty good trades. <laughs> so uh, that about does it for us, guys. Like you said, short episode today. Next week, we're going to come back with uh, – I know we'll have some bold predictions. That will be part of our show next week. And then we're, we're probably going to work in a, maybe like an on-the-clock segment or uh, maybe a preview of some of the guys that opted out, depending on who, who decides to opt out. I know that will be a big story next week. So thanks for joining us. Uh, if, you're, if you're in the Dallas area, hopefully this weather turns around. I uh, hope everybody stays safe out there, and uh, we'll see you next week. Tyler, see any you. last words? Nope, that's it. All right.